All right, I am back for my health journey, part number four uh, today, talking about my femur fracture and subsequent titanium rod implant. So if I go all the way back to 1995, I was a little, uh, how old was I, 10, 94, 95, uh, 10 year old kid and uh, was very active, lived in the country, did all the stuff and went to, I'm from central Illinois and was uh, out on the front yard of Ingersoll Middle School. Uh, word up to Ingersoll there and we were playing honestly we were playing uh push your friends down um if you remember the game where you get behind somebody and then somebody push your friend or somebody that you may not like over uh we did that to uh one of my good friends Matt and I was the person that got on the ground and somebody pushed him over me so I got up and he started chasing me uh because when I tell the story, I always say it was backyard football. Is really we're just pushing each other around. So he chases me and jumps onto me and grabs onto the back of my shoulders and pulls me down to the ground. And as I did that, the ground, this was March, uh, the ground was frozen and my left leg went out to the side. And as I came down, my leg took a hard 90 degree turn and created a spiral fracture of my the middle of my femur, the diaphysis, diaphysis of my femur. Um, and I can still vividly remember, uh, my leg was laying out to the side of me, uh, completely flat on the ground, but it was just kind of twitching in space. And, you know, there's always funny parts to a story when you look back, but, uh, I'm sitting there, you know, writhing in pain and screaming and uh, absolutely screaming bloody murder. And when my friends talked to me later, they're like, we thought that you like, you know, hit your, hit your testicles or something. <laughs> no, a little bit worse than that. Uh, so kind of some of the just immediate stuff off that, just to fill in, you know, parts of the story. I remember a teacher came out or a couple of teachers tried to put me on a blank and tried to move me. And I think I threw up because of pain and they were like, okay. And then the ambulance came out there. And the last thing I remember before we got back to the hospital was the EMT. When he finally put me into the ambulance, he goes, are these your favorite pair of jeans? I was like, what? And he just goes with the surgical scissors. And, uh, you know, takes those off. And so I was in the hospital for, it's hard to remember at this point, I mean, this long time ago, uh, I think two to three days, just in traction, um, found out that I don't handle Vicodin and things like that very well. So, uh, didn't honestly have a lot of pain meds, uh, somewhat have, I wouldn't say allergic, but have a reaction. I was throwing up um, when they tried to give it to me, uh, some in the hospital and this, uh, a surgeon was brought in from Peak or Peoria, Illinois, which is like, you know, 30, 40 minutes away from uh, my small little town of Canton, Illinois, and comes over to Graham Hospital and basically tells me that I have two options. I can have a, a cast that goes, uh, this is my left leg that I fractured, that goes down to my knee on my right leg, up my right leg, all the way across my pelvis, and then all the way down my left leg. And I'd be wearing that cast for probably around four to six months. Or I can have a surgical procedure uh, done where they insert a titanium rod into the, the medullary cavity, which is where your bone marrow is, and your femur, um, and then have a couple surgical screws implanted 
with the initial plan being to take that surgical hardware out after three to five months. With the caveat being that this surgery had not been done on many pediatric patients yet and that he was the only surgeon uh, even remotely close that was doing the surgery. For whatever reason, uh, I guess my parents and I honestly at that time had the same amount of orthopedic uh, surgery knowledge. So they let me decide and uh, being in a giant, uncomfortable, somewhat embarrassing cast for months on end versus, hey, you have a rod, no cast, uh, you're gonna be up and mobile within a couple weeks. Uh, you know, cause I was gonna have to be in a wheelchair with this other cast. I was like, or with the cast. So I was like, yep, surgery. Uh, Sign me up for surgery, uh, pretty brutal surgery. I mean, they literally are using, you know, power tools. I have a huge scar on my left glue uh, on the side of my left hip and then down on the uh, outside of my thigh down towards my knee. So they inserted this rod with two screws up towards the, the proximal side and then one screw um, down towards the bottom side. And the, again, the, the plan was to take this thing out. So I remember I was in the hospital total for like two weeks, uh, get to go home. Uh, before I go home though, uh, you know, they're checking some range of motion and some other stuff happened while I was in the hospital, the, you know, whatever. But uh, the only rehab slash physical therapy that I had for this whole incident um, was uh, the set of orthopedic stairs. So you walk up three stairs, there's rails on both sides and there's three stairs going down. They made me walk up and down those with crutches, just to make sure that I can maneuver stairs with my crutches. So I was on crutches right away, you know, versus the wheelchair, which was a, what the perk to me at the time. So I do that and they're like, see you later. We'll see you for a two week follow up or something like that. So I remember I go home and I try to navigate the stairs going up, uh, you know, into the breeze, wherever house and actually fall backwards. My mom, you know, or stepmom at the time loses it and, you know, starts crying and, so it just got, it got all sorts of fun. Um, I do remember at my, I don't think it was the first follow-up, but you know, one of the second or third follow-ups, they were kind of like, Hey, this is, you know, looking pretty good, but I didn't have full knee flexion. And, uh, this orthopedic surgeon, I remember I was face down and he's like, we just got to get your knee to bend all the way. And he just sat there and slowly pushed as hard as he could until my knee flexed fully, which knowing what I know now is just a terrible way to handle anything for a lot of reasons. I'm just, you know, a little kid just crying. Um, my mom's crying in the corner, um, but he got my knee to full flexion and was able to clear me and say, Hey, see you later. Uh, well then we went back for, I think the three months checkup and I will admit that I did some things that they told me not to do. Like, uh, I was trying to run at like, or, uh, run walk at two and a half months. Uh, I remember like, you know, me and my brother and my friends were playing in the front yard and I would like try to put my crutches down and kind of limp around when we were playing. So I was doing stuff more than I probably should have, but you know, well, uh, Wolf's law is more or less a law within physiology that says that bone is going to respond to the demand placed upon it. Um, so when I went back on my three month visit, they said, man, you are healing extremely fast, way faster than we thought you would. And we're like, cool. And they're like, well, kind of. What that means is it will be much harder to take the surgical hardware out now. Um, they said, we will take out the, the screw towards the bottom down towards my knee because we need to make sure that your bone um, can adequately 
grow because one of the big worries was that this, I mean, this took up the whole internal cavity of my femur and they wanted to make sure that since I'm still growing that I wouldn't have any growth plate issues. So he said, we have to take out the distal screw, which is really easy. That was an outpatient procedure. Um, but he goes, I, he told me that I think you should leave the rod in, but we can do whatever you think. And he goes, I just want you to know it would be far, like it's more trauma to take it out than to leave it in. So, you know, we asked all the questions, what are the long-term ramifications? And he says, you know, uh, technically you have a stronger leg because you have a titanium rod in there. Um, but he goes, the worry or big concern is that if you have another femur fracture, say a bad car accident or something like that, and you bend the rod within your femur, the chance of amputation comes into uh, the conversation because it may, you may not be able to get that rod out. And then you have, you know, it just would be a gnarly scenario. So that freaked my mom out hearing that. And he's kind of, you know, saying maybe you curb contact sports and stuff like this. And I'm, you know, at this time, 11, 12 years old. I'm like, mm, no, don't think so. Uh, especially because this kind of came from a contact sport. So we leave that and, you know, now I have another decision to make. Are we going to just keep this hardware in here? And we kind of talk about it, talk about, it. well, you know, we, me decide, yeah, we're going to leave it in because I don't want to have another major surgery. I'm all about, you know, I'm a little kid. I just want to go and be back to normal as fast as I can. So I, you know, I think I was off crutches at three months. I was supposed to be on crutch for like five, uh, you know, didn't do any, again, this is the crazy thing. No physical therapy rehabilitation was ever prescribed or thought of. It was just, Hey, you're a resilient kid. You had a fracture. We set the fracture and you'll be back to normal, let alone the, all the time off time on crutches, you know, changes in movement, whatever. So again, I was 11, 12 years old. I get back to normal. Uh, one thing that wasn't normal was I still remember to this day. I hate watching March Madness basketball because I broke my leg in March. And I remember that was the only thing on TV. Um, I had to sleep down in our living room because I couldn't go upstairs in my bedroom. It was just too hard. And uh, I love her to death. When my stepmom fed me full of anything I wanted, which when I was 11, I wanted junk food. And that's what I got. And I gained like 15, 20 pounds. I'll put a picture up in here of chubby little me. Um, so that I remember I'd go back to school and, you know, I'm limping around chubby and, you know, yeah, I got some sympathy from girls and stuff like that. But just, you know, I couldn't go to PE class. I remember I sat in the classroom by myself and uh, read or did something while people were in PE. Um, and then subsequently in the years after that, so that would have been fifth grade, sixth, seventh grade, I actually joined band just because it got you out of PE. Like I was embarrassed to go to PE, uh, which thinking what I do now is just ludicrous, but I was embarrassed to go to PE because I knew I couldn't do a bunch of stuff that everybody else could do uh, from this injury. So I uh, became more of a lazy little you know, kid. Well, I don't know what grade this was exactly. But I still remember um, I was at uh, Sheena Hillwater's house, a girl I went to high school with, and uh, it's not her name, Sheena Black now. And uh, I was sitting on the edge of her pool, and I remember uh, another girl, Trina, and a friend of mine, Corey, were sitting there. And I still remember Trina looking over and being like, oh, look at his rolls. Like, I was chubby little shit. And I was like, hmm. And I remember I went home and just, you know, I uh, started banging out push-ups and sit-ups and I was like, eh, that's not going to happen. And, um, you know, shortly after I got heavily back into sports and uh, training and uh, say training, lifting weights, uh, going to the YMCA every day. Um, and just that's honestly when like 
for maybe not a great reason whatsoever. It was a vanity play, but I became very aware of like, man, I, I got to get back in shape and things like that, which for a seventh, eighth grader can be a weird thought, especially when your parents like don't exercise and they weren't, neither one of my parents were overweight by any means. Um, everybody ate whatever they wanted and was very lean. So, you know, just exercise was not thought of as a thing that we had to do. Uh, so moving forward, I get into freshman year of high school. So first year of football or official football, I played seventh and eighth grade football in junior high, which that's kind of, you know, four games and championship, nothing much. Get to high school football. So the first time uh, we do a film review. So we played, I think on Mondays as freshmen, and then we reviewed film on like Tuesdays. And I still remember my coach, special teams coach, Bill Lightsey. Um, I think I was on like kickoff return or something like that. And he just yells, beard what the fuck is going on with your leg? Why are you limping? And I'm on a full out, you know, sprint for a kickoff return. Had no clue that I limped whatsoever. Uh, so I was like, I, I don't know. And, you know, I think I maybe came up afterwards and was talking about this, but you know, I had, for me, I didn't like see any issues in the weight room, squatting, anything like that. Nothing showed up to me. Uh, but then once I was aware that I was limping, I also realized, man, I'm squatting. I'm kind of like shifting over into the right leg, uh, just a bunch of other stuff. And then like started doing some like single leg training, more single leg training. Cause this was, you know, um, when I entered high school, 1998, so, I mean, this was just old bro session, lifting dark weight room, squats, deadlifts, neck machine, uh, terrible, terrible stuff, but it was fun. Uh, so I start becoming like highly aware, like, man, my left leg is not the same. Uh, so here's where a huge life, uh, you know, shift occurs for me. So at some point during my freshman year, I was uh, trying to think what I did exactly. I think I stepped in like a, a hole playing football or practicing or something, sprained my ankle pretty bad. And I think it was, it was on my left side. Well, prior to me spraining my ankle, uh, this husband and wife team, which he was not a chiropractor at the time, ended up becoming a chiropractor. But her name, uh, married name at the time was Guyon, Kim Guyon and Ruben Guyon. And they had, for whatever reason, I still don't know. Um, maybe there is a time I just wasn't aware of it. They moved from Miami, Florida, which is where Ruben was from. I think Kim was originally from Minnesota because she went to Northwestern Chiropractic School. Um, they moved from Miami to Canton, Illinois. I mean, podunk, 10,000 person town. And they opened up a practice on Main Street that, I mean, looking back was far light years ahead of um, what anybody was doing because it had a full gym in it. Uh, they actually took over a gym and put a chiropractic office in it. Um, it was an amazing little practice. Kim is actually now on MD. She's a sports medicine physician. Uh, but Kim and Ruben were both on the U.S. national team for judo. Uh, Kim's mom was involved in judo. She was a medalist. Uh, Kim was a medalist. So I, uh, Kim and her husband came to our high school and did a, uh, uh, oh God, what were they called? Uh, a big meeting. Gosh, I'm blanking on the term. Somebody can comment for me. Um, but basically you got out of class and you went to the gymnasium and you uh, went to these big meetings. I cannot believe I'm blanking on that. Sorry, guys. Uh, but we go to this and I remember they were talking about their speed and agility clinics and uh, the starter, the kickstarter of the show was that Ruben, um, they were both heavily involved in judo and martial arts, 
does a backflip kick and kicks the net of the basketball hoop. And, uh, you know, they're like, Hey, if you want to be able to do cool stuff like this, come to our speed and agility clinic. So of course, everybody, you know, all the best athletes sign up. So I'd went through the speed and agility clinic and while I was doing it, I could, you know, we're doing like star drills, single like star drills and things like that. And I, you know, I'm still picking up like, man, I'm not good at a lot of this stuff. And I was playing all other sports, you know, baseball, basketball, all this stuff. So I sprained my ankle. I know about Kim because I know she's Cairo. I go to her practice for the sprained ankle. Um, actually, I think my mom called her when I sprained my ankle because it was like in the evening and she like got on the phone. I was like, hey, crushing pineapple for the bromelain for the anti-inflammatory effect. Keep it moving. Get in my office tomorrow. Which is super cool. Um, go to her. She's checking out the ankle. She obviously, kind of like we do, checks out everything. She's like, what's up with your, you know, what's going on with your leg? Like, this is not right. And like. I still remember on my return to play stuff from the ankle, she took me in the the open gym area and was like, Hey, let's do some like agility stuff. And like, was just like, this isn't, you know, this should be better. So starts working with me and on it, from what I remember, I think she did a lot of stuff for free uh, with me. And uh, yeah, I saw her all through high school and uh, did fairly well. Uh, I didn't think coming out of high school, I still had a lot of issues like left, right asymmetry went on to be very active, still playing in sports throughout college and beyond. Um, but that put this little, you know, spark in my brain of like, well, what's this chiropractic thing? Um, I mean, obviously I'm a chiropractor. No, now the crazy thing is a buddy that was just visiting me this weekend. We're both from, you know, Canton, Illinois. He's a chiropractor in South Carolina. We both saw this Cairo. It's just kind of an interesting story about, you know, how these things kind of just work out or play out. Um, so that's, you know, my femur fracture story of getting this titanium rod in my leg. Well, how's this applied to my health journey? Besides literally probably being the biggest catalyst for me becoming a health practitioner, uh, the other side of the story is, uh, you know, I've talked about the blood work and these early lab panels back from, you know, 2014 and 15. So as I start noticing that like, man, my liver enzymes are just off, like stuff seems weird. Like what's going on? I don't you know, I'm pretty, I'm very healthy in my opinion and don't have any major bad habits. Like I just start thinking like, you know, I got this surgical hardware in here and I've had patients that, you know, for the most part, it's usually stainless steel. You can have uh, surface level reactions in particular with like hip uh, orthoses and things like that. And I'm like, I wonder if there's any research out there on, you know, titanium and uh, the effects it can possibly have. Uh, well, I was also working with our functional medicine doctor and we'd done the typical heavy metal testing, which doesn't test for titanium, but all that came back fairly normal. I think cadmium was a little high. Um, well, what I didn't know, and I still don't know because I actually, and I'll talk about this in a second. I've actually talked to that surgeon, uh, Dr. Metzelfeld, uh, just a couple of months ago. And, uh, he confirmed that it was titanium, but he couldn't, uh, remember the exact alloy that was used uh, during that time. But I started looking up research and there's quite a decent body of research of titanium oxidation over time in vivo and the possible uh, toxicity effect and in particular hepatotoxicity effect. So uh, when titanium oxidizes in particular, one of the, the oxidative agents it creates is titanium O2 or titanium oxide. And that can be a gnarly uh, uh, neurotoxin, uh, like I said, hepatotoxin. Uh, what's not understood or maybe hasn't been looked at a lot is this 
you know, my orthoses besides, you know, the head of the screws is within the bone cavity. Uh, so, you know, I'm not having this like surface level sloughing of uh, titanium molecules, which is what we think stainless steel reactions occur from. But then I have two thoughts on this that, well, hey, there's the fact that, you know, you're still, you know, circulating things through your bloodstream, um, you know, through kind of a, a bony porous structure. But also, uh, even though later in life, you're, you know, the red marrow within long bones that's largely responsible for lymphocyte production early in life isn't that important for lymphocyte production later in life. But how do we know that it's not that important that, uh, you know, if I am missing an entire medullary cavity of uh, red marrow, that it's not affecting lymphocyte production, which is what I'm low on. Uh, having low white blood cell count in particular, uh, pretty decent neutropenia. So started kind of talking about my, to my functional medicine doctor about, you know, is this possibly things, you know, yeah, but what do we do about it? So it just gets back to this, you know, making sure that phase one and phase two detoxification are on point. Um, but yeah, now I'm kind of in the scenario of, uh, you know, if I find out or if somebody could confirm through testing or, uh, you know, research or what be it that this titanium uh, rod is causing all, a lot or all of my health ailments. Could I even get it removed at this point and talking to some surgeons, it's pretty much a no, but if you, and if you did decide to do it, it's a very going to be very traumatic just due to the bony overgrowth and how embedded that thing is. Oh, Presented with an interesting conundrum and, you know, how far or how much do I want to tug on this tiger's tail is kind of, you know, what am I going to deal with? Uh, what symptoms do present besides just some altered blood work, things like that. But that's, you know, this is the game that we play or that I play, you know, is a primary portal of entry, trying to really be a health practitioner, not just a musculoskeletal practitioner. Um, of looking at all things and making sure that you're aware of everything, but not you know, uh, betting the ranch on anything, one in particular until you're absolutely sure. Um, and I just had a patient in the office the other day that basically we just had an hour consult, no treatment whatsoever. And it's dealt with a bunch of issues and it was just kind of came to the end of the visit and she kind of thanked me for, uh, Hey, thanks for just looking at everything and helping explain everything. Cause I, she had been in bunches of people and she's like, nobody really kind of tries to tie it all together, which, I think 50 years ago, our, uh, you know, general family practitioner, primary care physician was very good at tying it all together because they, they had to be, there wasn't a lot of like specialization referral going on like there is nowadays, nowadays, but, uh, we also need more internists and, uh, really good primary care physicians out there, you know, DOs, MDs that can help people be at the center of their healthcare and quarterback and triage and refer appropriately. And it's just now we see a hyper-specialized, very siloed medical system. So um, I've been, you know, uh, uh, I won't say a victim, but I've been a part of that, uh, you know, system. And yeah, I'm just gonna keep trying to figure this thing out. And I got, you know, a lot more to uh, explore and kind of go over on upcoming episodes, uh, looking at my health journey schedule. Uh, Next, you know, we got, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the life biohacking things that I got into as I kept going down this my health journey, trying to figure out, you know, what's going on and what can I do to just like maximize my health. Uh, visit to the pulmonologist with my mom, uh, Sloan getting pregnant, uh, 
and some infertility issues. And then a little bit about a Ted talk that I did and, uh, how that, how that affected me and what it made me start thinking about it a little bit more. So I hope you guys are enjoying, uh, a, the Dr. Bo show overall, um, but all of the, the media that I and my team put out there. Uh, if you're so kind, make sure that you're subscribing to the podcast, my YouTube channel and, uh, leave a review on, you know, uh, iTunes or, uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify, go over to YouTube, drop us a comment, uh, give us a like or a follow or some love somewhere. So thanks.